data is an amazing thing. It tells us who we are and what we do. And while predicting the choices, preferences, and behaviors of one person is nearly impossible, predicting this for many people is a lot easier to do through the power of data analysis. Once hidden patterns are revealed, structure emerges, and our data becomes our literal vision into the future. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filene Fill-In. I'm Holly Fearing with Filene. The Filene Fill-In is the podcast where we fill you in on what's been going on wherever Filene is and around the financial services world. So if I told you that four out of every 10 members will have an interest in product X after they use product Y, would this be valuable information to have? While generally interesting, it's much more than just a headline that gets BuzzFeed so many article clicks. We're able to use data analytics to make decisions in our strategies that will give us more of what we want and less of what we don't want. Think about the time and money saved alone in better targeted marketing campaigns. It's undeniable that successful data analytics can create immense value for your organization. This power, though, like any other, can be used for the good of many or exploited for the good of few. This is why there is both challenge and opportunity especially for credit unions, to use their vast amounts of data to grow and lift their mission, to fulfill their purpose of serving the needs of those otherwise left out of the financial services equation, and to take a step in front of the crowd and lead as an example of what ethical use of data looks like. In today's episode, you will hear what credit union leaders told us interests them about building cultures of and ecosystems for better data analytics in their organizations, and ultimately why this led Filene to dedicate a research center of excellence to this topic. You'll get the inside view on what this research will entail directly from the academic heart of the whole operation, aka our research fellow for the center, Dr. Sherry spire Perro. Professor of Information Systems at Michigan State University. It is her mission to help leaders move ideas forward through the ethical implementation of new value-creating technologies and systems. Take a listen now as Dr. Spire Perro and Filene's Paul Dion enlighten us as to why no matter where your organization is on its data analytics journey, this research will appeal to and is essential for everyone on the path. Thank you for joining us. I am very excited to welcome Dr. Sherry Spire Perro to the Filene family as our newest research fellow. Welcome, Sherry. Thank you so much, Holly. I am very excited to be here. We are going to just dive in right away with all things about you and the center that you're leading. So you, as as our listeners may have seen in the news, that you are the filing fellow for our Center for Data Analytics and the Future of Financial Services. Can you talk a little bit about what that means to be leading this focused research center and and talk a little bit about what what this center is even about. Isn't that the big question? Um, so so first of all, I am so excited. I am so honored to to have been asked to serve in this role and, and I um, 
am excited to be working with credit unions and and partners in this space because I believe it is a, an opportunity to really make a difference for these organizations. Um, I've been fortunate enough to have a, a history with credit unions, not just as a member, but as a, as a board member. And so I feel like uh, I have knowledge about the space and I certainly have a passion for analytics and, and see this as an opportunity to combine those two things in such a way that, that credit unions are able to benefit in ways that are appropriate for their strategic mission and, and their needs. Uh, so, so first of all, thank you to Filene's. I am, I am so honored and, and appreciative of this opportunity. Um, with respect to the center, I think it's, it's both a very needed uh, capability uh, within um, sort of this Filene's research bucket, but it's also a very timely capability. Uh, capability and research offering. And, and for those listening that say this analytics thing has been on our radar for, you know, eight years, 10 years, what do you mean it's timely? Um, I think that's a reflection of, of the challenges that organizations across all industries have had with getting their arms around um, having a capability that is able to support the analysis of data in ways that contribute to actionable decisions that create value for the organization. And that value may be in the form of how members are better supported. It may be in the form of keeping valuable employees. There are so many different ways that, that organizations can, can use analytics to enhance the, um, the value. And value in this case is certainly not necessarily a financial value. It's a value in a very holistic way. Uh, so I see this as, as very timely. We know uh, there was a recent... Um, Deloitte a publication, I think it was a 2019, that talked about banking, both banks and credit unions uh, have data. The, having data is not the issue, but in so many cases, this data is not accessible. It's not clean, so we can't analyze it. And it's not um, sort of distributed in ways that members within the organization can analyze that data in order to create these data-driven decisions. And so I think being able to spend some time understanding what capabilities an organization, a credit union needs, and then how to successfully build those capabilities. And ultimately then, how does a credit union create an ecosystem, not just the credit union organization itself, but partners that can help support and enable and facilitate a much more robust uh, set of analytics activities and really build the maturity of that activity within the organization. So even when I just said, I feel like that's a mouthful to even get your head around, <laughs> but but it's, it's, um, it's truly, there's a lot of components to it. And I think that credit unions are at all... Um, what would I say, sort of if you think about of a maturity curve, some credit unions are at the beginning of this adventure and others are much further along the journey. And I really believe that the efforts and research that we pursue will be able to speak to, to any credit union regardless where they fall in that space. Mm -hmm. Wow, there's there's so much in what you just said of of different directions that credit unions can take this work and and use the work and apply the work. Um, so before we get into all of that a little bit more, I'm I'm curious just about your background and how does somebody get into this type of research? Yeah, it's an it's a great question and it's one that. Um, I would say is probably an atypical, how did I get here? I think for a lot of academics, um, 
were trained for this very focused um, research passion, whatever it may be. And and we we pull those research interests into our teaching. And, and whether it's undergraduate or graduate or executive teaching, we sort of inform the way we look at the world through through those, that research lens. As I look at, at my passion for analytics, I actually think it was it was the reverse. So my background is information technology. I have a PhD in, in information systems. And, and my work experience prior to getting the PhD was, was very much about applying information systems in organizations in ways that, that created value. And and so I have a very applied um, view of the world, I guess I would say. And and so as um, I have moved through my career at Michigan State, um, as analytics was beginning to get visibility in the practitioner community, Michigan State decided that uh, we really needed to support this area. The demand for professionals who had these skills was... Um, just off the charts. And and so we put together a master's program that really uh, was designed around uh, our College of Business, our College of Engineering, and our College of Natural Science at Michigan State, uh, because we felt we needed skills that were not just housed in one college. And that's one of the, the challenges that is is uh, true of, of, of an analytics professional. And and I was asked to serve as, as the um, faculty director for this master's program. And one of our real linchpins of the program was the importance of experiential learning and not just because we felt experiential learning is always a, a very um, effective way for students to really develop expertise, but that the complexity of the analytic space and the depth of knowledge any student or any professional needs in this area that require such unique buckets of knowledge that don't easily blend together. We needed to enable sort of laboratories for students to, to have a sandbox to develop these skills. And these aren't laboratories in the science sense. These are laboratories in the form of companies. And 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 how do we get into companies and, and take on real live projects and work with organizations in order to design and implement analytics outcomes. And, and at the same time, companies were saying, we don't know what to do. We, we, we know this analytics thing is really important. We don't know where to start. We don't have capabilities. How do we do this? And, and so the, not just the first year, but continuing today, so much of our master's program is groups of students on live projects in organizations. And, and as I got into or sort of managing this and orchestrating partnerships with organizations, it just for me naturally became a, well, what does this all mean? How do organizations gain success in this space? And, and how do we form partnerships so that um, a credit union uh, is able to differentially increase its capability without making huge investments in people and um, having a really long learning curve? How do we accelerate the process so that a credit union or any other organization can see value more quickly? And and so it's been fun for me because I think the, um, the role that I've had an opportunity to have at Michigan State has actually then resulted in a whole series of research activity that has, has come out of that. And that's been fun. That's so great. It, and it, you can hear the passion that you have for this, for um, 
for helping people and businesses understand what data analytics is and the importance of the experiential learning and the complexities within it. I, I can tell you have a lot to give um, to this work in that way. And and I've heard you talk about this briefly before, um, that because of the complexity of the concept of data analytics, there's a lot misunderstood about it. Um, so can you, can you help us kind of just set set the framing around, you know, what is data analytics, what is not data analytics, and and what is really most often misunderstood about this terminology or this area of study, and and especially in a business context? A lot of people would say, we do analytics, we have data, we analyze it. And, um, and, and my response is often, yes, we call that reporting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we've been doing reporting for decades. And, and reporting is this very backwards looking, what was our performance last quarter? How many new members did we get? How many new products did those members add to their basket of, of, of products and services that we provide them? And, and reporting's really important, but it is not, um, it does not allow us to predict what our members and what our products and services and what our employees may do based on decisions we make. And to me, that's the core of analytics, the ability to create models leveraging the breadth of data, the wealth of data we all have in order to predict I'll say the future, but in order to predict what we think will happen in ways that enhance the member's experience, um, the member's satisfaction with with what we as a credit union do. And, And so that's sort of the reporting analytics distinction. And at the other end, I think you can create a distinction from analytics to sort of artificial intelligence. I mean, when I think of the artificial intelligence, it is a... um, almost a, a, a packaged capability that is um, certainly predictive in nature, but it is almost out, it's beyond analytics and that there is often a learning component and um, um, a, a added sophistication. So it's used in very targeted ways. A lot of the issues and challenges we have with analytics are the same as what we have with artificial intelligence. I think art, I think the analytics space is in some ways more tractable. We can apply it to almost any any business process or, or issue within any credit union. So I always tell um, leaders, you know, where, where are your pain points? What, what are the things that you're not doing well? Where are the biggest challenges? Because those often become great opportunities to apply analytics. So, so I think that's a little bit of where does it fit? It's in that predictive nature, leveraging our incredibly large and growing volumes of data, and not just volume of data in terms of the number of transactions, but then we have all this great social media data or we have our call center data that may involve voice transcriptions between a a call center representative and a member. What can we learn from those that help us create much more effective and efficient member experiences? Um, So there's all kinds of ways that we can think about types of data we've never had 
really access to before and how might we how might we build that into a, a predictive model if for instance our customer satisfaction with our call center experiences are are taking a nosedive what can we learn using analytics from that that will help us write that ship a little bit more uh, effectively um, so, so I think that sort of are the the pieces uh, what I find in in especially, organizations that are starting on the journey or have started and and sort of faltered a little bit. Um, I think a lot of times there's recognition that we have all this data and and that by having data, we can just start doing Mm -hmm. this modeling development and and learn all kinds of new things. And, And in some respects, there's some truth behind it. But as soon as we start focusing on some more uh, integrated processes across the credit union, where it's not just a marketing initiative, but it affects um, the way in which we service members beyond how we might market different products and services out to them. Mm-hmm. And you're needing to combine data and knowledge from different spaces. Often the data we have is not quite the data we really need to analyze. And um, the data that we have may not be clean. It, it may be really dirty with all kinds of, um, when I say dirty, it's, it's um, there's, there's the same definition for multiple data fields. There are uh, a whole bunch of entries in our transaction data for members who may no longer be active members. Um, and we don't know they're not active they are not active members. And so there's all kinds of things we need to do to make that data usable. And that can become an overwhelming challenge for some organizations. Um, Some organizations feel like they have to have the perfect set of data before they can start the analysis. And um, that's a perfect world, but that's not necessarily true. We can start with some data we have. We just may need to rescope the types of projects and activities we do in order to get our feet wet. So, so I think there's a lot of things that we can think about in a what's a perfect strategic um, infrastructure that supports analytics. But based on where we are today, which is typically not in that perfect strategic <laughs> state, how, how do I best move forward? How do I get things going? Because ultimately, one of the things we know is that organizations that have a strong leadership culture of being a data-driven organization and expecting all associates and employees in the organization to have the capacity or the appreciation for analyzing data in order to make recommendations and push decision outcomes forward, that's the night and day change where analytics really drives successful performance. And and that is often something that is, I'll say, overlooked or not thought about because we're down in the weeds with the data. And yet this is a strategic leadership issue and, and helping credit unions find the pathway to make that happen, I think, is one of the opportunities in this center. And that makes a lot of sense. It, I, I know as a marketing person, too, I'm, I'm very excited to um, learn along with your work and with our credit union members as, as as we go into the 
outputs from this center. I, th- I think there's going to be just so much value in that for all of us. I'm going to call on Paul now and um, transition a little bit into talking about this from Filene's perspective. In the context of, of why Filene felt that this was such an important topic, so much so that we wanted to make an entire research focus around data analytics, C- can you speak to what the, the story is behind that a little bit? Sure. Thanks, Holly. Um, as we all know, in you think about consumer financial services, credit unions are a small but mighty player in that sector. And what you know, Feline took a scan, and we we decided to make a bet that data analytics. Um, and I think it's a pretty safe bet that data analytics is going to represent a critical competency. Uh, for credit unions going forward. And it's actually a real opportunity for them to position themselves as the premier provider of financial services in the future. Um, it's not, you know, as, as Sherry mentioned, it's been, you know, a lot of people say, hey, we've had this on our plate. We, it's on our to-do list for a long time now. And um, Feline felt like it was a moment where we could contribute to that conversation and start to provide some actionable insights and tools to help credit unions actually get from the to-do list to the, hey, we're doing it list. Um, You think about the new technological advancements that are built on all this new data that's that's all around us, really proliferating around us, um, and and using those advancements to provide the means for credit unions to improve really all aspects of their operations. I mean, the data analytics can be useful for the back office automation, for security and risk management. Um, you think about robo-advising and chatbot services, predictive analytics, all of which, when aligned with their mission, can really equip credit unions to better serve members in, in really profound ways, in ways that we haven't even dreamed up yet. And our hope is that the strategic and responsible use of data analytics um, can be a key differentiator for credit unions going forward. Mm-hmm. And without embarrassing Sherry too much, do you want to talk a little bit about why we selected her for this role of, of the leader of this of this research and why she was the right fit for what Filene was looking for? Absolutely. We are so excited to welcome Sherry. And, um, you know, we identified her to serve as the fellow because, of course, she brings a wealth of research experience and information systems and how to use data analytics to enhance decision making. Um, And she understands how to advise organizations on the appropriate technology adoption that they need to create value. Um, I think you've probably already heard a little bit of that from her today. Now, of course, there are a number of folks that have these skills, uh, but Sherry really stood out to us because uh, she has operational and strategic experience in financial services directly. She's a credit union member. She's been a board member. She's been on important committees for credit union boards, um, as well as other uh, larger information tech organizations, nationally speaking. So she really understands the opportunities and the challenges that are facing credit unions today. She gets the dual imperative for credit unions to both grow sustainably grow sustainably, and provide for member financial well-being. And so we felt like Sherry was just an excellent um, person to, to serve as the fellow, and, and we just can't wait to get started on the research. Yes, and I completely agree. I'm going to dive into some more specifics now about Sherry's work and ask Sherry to speak a little bit about what we've kind of promised to credit unions that this center will deliver. So in in the kind of high-level overview of what this research focus is about, we are saying that that this project is going to offer an actionable framework for effective approaches to data management and analytics for the larger financial services industry. 
Can you break that down a little bit more for us and, and tell us what that really means for credit unions? I know, isn't that a, a crazy question in terms of the detail? But yeah, let me try to, to break it into pieces. So actionable framework, um, and this really stems from the experiences that I've had in my um, faculty director role, that, that helping credit unions not just understand what sort of levers that need to be pulled, but actually help provide a playbook on how to pull those levers. And and part of that, I think, especially initially will be what are those capabilities within the credit union that matter in terms of delivering meaningful and, and value-added analytics outcomes. Um, and that may be human capital questions of what type of new skill sets, not that new people to the credit union need, but employees that are already at the credit union, what kind of skills might might folks need to, to have developed in order to be effective? How does leadership of the credit union position and consistently and continuously, continuously signal um, how being a data-driven organization is a critical um, sort of post that, that all of our decisions and all of our activities are, are going to sort of... Uh, I will say extend to today and, and increasingly over time. What, what, what are the data, um, what's the data architecture and infrastructure that we need to have just so that we can not only store data, but have it updated in an automated way so that the team, whether it's my existing um, sort of managers who now have some skills that can go in and look at the data, or it's a data scientist that I hire or that I bring in from the outside can have access to perform that analysis both today and then go back to that same data six months from now with the additional transactions that have occurred in that time in order to enhance and, and develop feedback on that analysis. So I think there's um, sort of what are those capabilities and how do we build them? And, and part of the action, too, that um, I've talked with the Filene's team around is, is how do we then create this ecosystem around a credit union so that that credit union leadership is not feeling isolated in, in trying to enhance this capability on their own. And and this really comes again back to my experience in from Michigan State in the in the faculty director role. We've had as a master's program um, such fabulous partnerships with um, to say dozens, 60, 70 different organizations, where in some cases we are, have had multiple projects with, with credit unions and non-credit unions, but we've we've had one-off projects with, with organizations. And those experiences provided for such context for that organization, not just to see a analytics project forward, but to begin to develop an understanding of how to make, um, create a culture and create a set of capabilities that could enhance that success. So I see that as an ecosystem. How do we help facilitate university partnerships and technology firm partnerships with credit union organizations so that they can more quickly build out their capabilities and begin to examine 
the pain points or the opportunities to increase the efficiency of the back office or whatever it is that sort of is their critical mission in the moment um, using analytics. The current environment that we are living in is quite a bit more digital because of the COVID crisis, as everyone knows, that has impacted so many things, including data and data privacy and security issues. So this is a really interesting angle of the work of this research center. We know that consumers are more concerned about how their data is used and less trusting of um, the security of their private information now than really ever before. So can you talk a little bit more about how this research and how this center is is going to be addressing the issue of of ethical practices in the use of consumer data um, and, and all of that related to consumer trust of financial institutions as we look at mining all of this data to to apply it to everything you've spoken about? Yeah, Holly, I think you've you've certainly identified um, a, a bit of a sea change in in consumer concerns um, with respect to to data privacy and security, um, and it's and they're very valid concerns, both in terms of how any organization might use data, but also how any organization is is securing that that data, particularly data that is. Um, of high uh, value um, sort of in the open marketplace, so to speak. So credit card numbers and and other things that are are particularly personal identifying uh, information. Um, so, so I think part of the goal around the center developing capabilities in analytics has to be what we do to create not just a robust data environment in a credit union, but but and you've used the word that responsible use and protection around data. Um, and and how do we then, I think the question becomes and all organizations struggle with this, whether it's analytics driven or not, is how do we communicate to our members um, what data we store about them? and how we secure that data. So where do we use encryption? What data do we choose not to um, store because it is unnecessary to our um, to our day-to-day business? Um, how do we um, limit some of the data we store because while maybe a member needed to share that with us when he or she applied, maybe it's not data that we need to maintain. Um, so there's a number of things that organizations are doing a much more aggressive data governance assessment to make those decisions and then ensure that the organization is is living up to sort of those expectations. I wish I could remember the number at Michigan State, and I, I don't, but it was in the millions, the number of social security numbers that were stored across the university in, I can't t- even begin to remember how many different unique computer systems and databases. And it was, you know, information that for lack of management had just been dispersed across the university systems. And universities tend to be really decentralized, but I think any organization and credit unions are are, are certainly um, 
uh, fall into this aggressive data management challenge? What provisions need to be put in place to to help mitigate the, I don't want to say eventuality, um, but I'll go with eventuality that we will have a security breach of some point. I think Robert Mueller was, when he was FBI director, said there's essentially two types of organizations, those that have been hacked and those who have not yet been hacked. Um, and, and, and and I mean, the the activity we're seeing around um, cyber threats continues to increase. And, and so those are very real concerns. And so I think having responsible use and protection of data is essential for all organizations. And I think that's even more true for firms that are in the financial sector, um, given the type of data that, that we store and we have available to us about our members. And so credit unions are on the front line there. Mm-hmm. I, I think beyond the privacy and the um, security as we move into developing predictive models, I think then we get into this whole um, sort of contextualization and ethical responsibility as well. Um, so it's not just what we store about our, our, our members, but how are we using that data to make decisions? Is it done in an ethical, appropriate manner so that we are... Um, not in any way disenfranchising or biasing the outcomes we make, um, kind of the digital redlining ideas. And and so there are, there is such growing awareness of these issues and and thought that is going into how to do um, analytics and artificial intelligence in appropriate and ethical ways. But I think that becomes a, a clear pillar of this research to help ensure that not just leaders, but those that are, are actually applying and developing these models have, have sufficient understanding and awareness um, and that we test those models in ways that we can detect if there's inherent and implicit bias or un- an unintentional bias that may have been overlooked based on the data we use to develop the model or the analytical tool we created. Mm-hmm. And we talk about in the overview of the center that um, there's an opportunity here for credit unions specifically to stand out within financial services and, and maybe even broader businesses as leaders in, in modeling the ethical use of data. I think that's a really exciting prospect. Can you talk a little bit about what, what is really that opportunity for credit unions? I, I very much believe that. And I, I really think that um, one of the advantages of that credit unions have is, is the strategic initiatives and, and thinking around um, the importance of, of creating financial wellness for members as opposed to um, quarterly profit, end of year profit, and and sort of those financial indicators. And I think that when it's not just the leadership, it's the entire um, sort of mission, vision, um, culture of the organization sees that financial wellness of the members and and the members' well-being is our mission. Since the members are the owners, it creates such a different way of thinking about what data is appropriate to use, what are the ways in which we're using that data. Um, I always use some examples in class where um, 
as, as I can see as students in the room are hearing the stories, you kind of see their shoulders go up and it's like, yeah, that's that creepy factor, right? It's sort of this creepiness that, that, that any company knows that much about us. Um, and the example I always use is, is, you know, Target has a, um, the retailer Target has um, a well-developed analytical model to be able to predict who, which of its customers are pregnant, because if they can identify pregnant customers, um, one, they can you know promote some things out to that customer in order to uh, hopefully make them a more loyal Target customer. But it's a customer lifetime value proposition that the earlier I can get a customer committed to my retail establishment from all of those great baby clothes and toys up through food and teenage electronics and clothing and on beyond, um, that's a tremendously profitable customer lifetime value proposition. Um, but then when you think about being able to detect who's pregnant, that's serious. Some people get that creepiness going. Um, and, and so I think within the credit union framework, where strategically we're focused on members as their well-being, their financial wellness, I, I think it, it, there's a different orientation by all of the folks within the credit union environment. They're less likely to create those applications and those analyses that engender that creepiness for our members. And, and I know creepiness is not a, a great word. I can't measure it. It's, and there's not a scale for it. And, and it's really important. I think there's changing and differing um, demographics around who feels that way and who doesn't. I think a lot of our younger members are like, yeah, they have my data. Of course, they know those things. Um, that's a stereotype that may or may not be empirically true. We'd have to test that. But um, but but so I think that there's there needs to be a sensitivity, and I think organizations in general are are growing have growing awareness there. I think credit unions as organizations will. Um, always keep members and the member satisfaction and concerns about anything the credit union organization would do to harm that satisfaction front of mind. And so are far less likely to find themselves, uh, I think at odds with some of the analytical work that gets done and the types of um, perceptions that that their members generate. I know that it, it's, it certainly is a factor, the creepiness factor, even though it's not a, a data set that you can measure. It certainly exists because we're human beings and we don't, we don't all follow logic. And then it's interesting too, with different generations and how the different generations may feel um, more accustomed to having less privacy or, or giving their data up in exchange for, for what they want or need online. And, and then when you factor in the credit union cooperative element, I know I personally feel more trusting of a credit union or a cooperative when the structure of the business is set up so that I am the owner of the business. I, I naturally feel like there's going to be more respect given to to my data as a member rather than um, something like Target where I am I truly feel like just a, a set of data to them. So lots of really interesting dynamics there. There really are. And it's and I think it's hard for any organization because as those dynamics change, whether it's across demographic groups or we just become more accustomed to 
um, recognizing our our privacy. We've lost a lot of our privacy over the last decade or two decades. That uh, it's hard for those folks within the organization to recognize that there are t- such differing views uh, of, of for our members and our, our our customers. So that you know, I may come with a certain view because I don't feel privacy is is critical of an issue, and yet I don't recognize that my members may feel very differently. So so I think there's a lot of challenges and awareness we have to work with, but I do think credit unions probably don't um, tout that, um, uh, you know, be, because we have this co-op environment where owners are our members, um, we do come to the table with a different sort of worldview on, on, on what how we use data, what data we have. And and that's per- perhaps not a critical part of a marketing campaign or a story, right? But but I but I do think it might be interesting to think about how that messaging, maybe very subtle messaging, becomes part of, of um, how organizations do move analytics forward. So with the floodgates now open on this research project, what are some of the things that you're most looking forward to doing in the first few months of, of this work? And, and what are some of the early projects that you've got going? Yeah, so um, we've been talking about doing some initial research to be able to have some benchmarking and and know not just generically where credit unions are, but maybe across different types of credit unions and whether that's size or whether that's sort of maturity in the analytics space, what what's happening in in the credit union space and and what are some of the most critical capabilities that we need to focus on and then i think it's opportunities to do some deep dives in those areas and and understand no, I won't say necessarily understand best practice, but to develop some um, some perspective on where have we been able to see significant success by different credit unions and how then as a credit union that maybe is at the beginning of the journey, how do I get to that stage more quickly with less cost and effort? Um, and I think those are all pieces that are are sort of on the, the first couple months. Um, and then I look really forward to uh, sort of this ecosystem side of things. And that's probably further down the pike. But um, I just really believe in these partnership models and and want to be, I think it's exciting to think about how do you deliver a partnership ecosystem on a, on sort of an industry scale, uh, because we, I, I don't know of anybody who's really thought about it that way. It's usually, you know, one organization and its partners, but to sort of, how do you do that at the credit union industry level, I think is, is really exciting. And I know in speaking with some of my academic colleagues at other universities, they're very excited to be part of this. So it will be fun. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And, and so Paul, for the, for the credit unions that are just eager to get involved in this work and to go along with us on the journey and follow along and dive in. What are the things that credit unions can do to get involved as we begin this work? This event, this very exciting event that's going to kick off the whole center coming up in January, which will be um, a real opportunity for Sherry to bring in some of her uh, strong cast of researchers and industry leaders and other practitioners who can bring some cutting edge insights that participants are going to be able to draw on to activate data analytics in their organization. And you've heard her talk a little bit about that ecosystem approach. And we'll start to, you know, we won't be able to get a lot of that research done 
right away, but we hope to start at least fleshing out what does that ecosystem approach look like for a credit union when they want to get involved in data analytics. And and we'll provide some insights during the event on, on how to those first steps to get that process underway. Um, in the short term, there's the benchmarking survey that uh, Sherry mentioned, and, and I expect and hope that every listener uh, that your credit union will participate. Stay tuned for, for an announcement about that survey, and we hope you'll participate. Um, we're actually hoping that the survey will be something that we might do every year on an annual basis so we can track over time um, where the credit union system is from year to year and, and ideally um, identify uh, trends and, and be able to address those. Um, and then the more in-depth research projects as well, we really want to partner with credit unions to help Sherry um, identify, you know, those more specific applications of data analytics that are taking place or that are about to take place that are going to drive business processes and member service. And so uh, we're hoping that the research uh, that, that, Credit unions who partner with us on the research will also benefit. They're going to learn uh, from Sherry's insights and experience. And um, ideally, we'll, we'll start also exploring this, this, this partnership model that Sherry has, has done over at Michigan State in, in connecting universities and, and master's students in data analytics with credit unions. So that's another uh, project that we want to hopefully get off the ground in the next year or two. Um, to provide an opportunity for credit unions who maybe don't have a data analyst on staff, you know, an analytics person that they can devote to the work, but maybe they have a university nearby with students who might be willing to help out. Great. Yeah, um, we'll definitely put some of that information in the show notes so um, so our listeners can follow along with all of that great stuff. So I wanted to spend a few of our last couple of minutes here just letting people get to know Sherry a little bit more on a personal level. So so as we were talking, Sherry, I just had the question around just like your your analytical thinking and, and kind of mindset to data. Is, is this something that you've kind of always been an analytical thinker and, and driven by data or did this come about at some point in your life? No, really good question. I I, I am um, I'm trying to remember what my provost uses as her her data label, um, and it is not coming to me, which that does happen more and more often, unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, I I I I need data. I I and and have always been that way, and and I I like to think that I'm strategic in how I think about opportunities and problems, but then I want to be able to drill down in the data to, whether it's confirm or to understand if where we are today and the changes we have made in different initiatives, the impact those have had, and then as we're trying to build out in a more strategic way. So for instance, at Michigan State, we talk a lot about student success. Um, how, How do we increased student success is often defined as as seeing students persist through graduation. Um, And then we get to satisfaction and other kinds of issues as well. But but I think that really understanding where are we seeing success, where are we not seeing success? What have those students experienced? What have they not experienced? Um, Can we isolate it to a course? Can we isolate it to a human interaction that they have or haven't had? Uh, and, and so it really gives us um, having that level of detailed understanding, I think, 
allows you to set up a, a game plan for the types of initiatives you want to take and then being able to monitor those initiatives and assess if you're on the right track mm-hmm. and and if those initiatives you're moving forward are are sort of changing the trajectory of, of where you want to go. And so, yep, I've always had the the analytics kind of data geekiness in me and uh, and it's a good thing. I, I, I like it. I just think it's important to have it coupled with a, a strategic view at the same time. Of course. Yeah. And so outside of um, data analytics and, and data um, analysis, what are what are some other research topics or themes that that you just get really excited about? Yeah. So so a lot of my early career was so really how does using technology support outcomes and and often those outcomes were decision making types of outcomes um, and a lot of times my research became lived experiences so so if I go back to some early work it was how to interruptions both interruptions that get created by technology but that may get created for other reasons um, how does it affect what we're doing and 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 you know at some point there's a negative effect uh, but then how can you build capabilities into technology to help you more? meaningfully recover from those interruptions. So sort of just some really interesting personal experiences that that kind of made that light bulb go on. So that whole sort of decision-making and effective um, adoption and integration and use of technology. How, how do we know that technology is is making a positive impact and what has to happen in an organization or, or to support an individual to make that technology effective for, for the, the organization in particular? The other space that I've spent some time in is um, a lot of my uh, early career before going back to get my PhD involved, um, manufacturing and organizations and warehousing and logistics. And so it created a real passion for supply chain issues. And and what I love about supply chain is, is certainly at Michigan State, we see it not just in the product space, but also in the service space. So so anything we do to deliver um, a loan opportunity for a member, there's a supply chain there that, that uh, we have to deliver upon and execute well so that the member is is satisfied. Um, and, and so a lot of work has sort of gone into what technologies and how do we implement and, and sort of design those technologies to support those supply chain interactions. And, and I think that that continues to be exciting workspace, especially in today's very global digital environment. And outside of your academic work, what, what do you like to spend your time doing? I wish right now I had time to spend on that. Yeah. Certainly that's been one of the um, challenges in our in our pandemic environment that uh, every day at a university and I'm sure every organization creates some significant shifts in how we try to support our students and, and uh, create an effective learning environment. I, no, but I do have a variety of interest, interests. I'm a runner, um, so I, I uh, run and, and uh, sort of focus on other um, sort of physical, trying to stay physically fit, which, in again, in our current times has also helped with some mental fitness, I think. Um my husband and I, we have four boys that are not boys. They are young adults um, and, and maybe not so young adults at times. And so being able to spend time with them and um, and, and enjoy them is certainly a, um, a priority. 
and and then it's just I'm I'm a big reader, and so whether it is um, as I call it my bubblegum books of mystery and suspense, or um, lately it has been um, you know a, a lot of history, and we have um, as I'm sure a lot of organizations are are really putting forward significant effort in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space, doing a lot of reading in those spaces and and finding it um, enlightening and helpful in the conversations we're having in the context of our organization. And what what inspires you to 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 work as hard as you do? I I think I've always been sort of challenge oriented that um, if I think about the first couple jobs I had that I left probably earlier than um, my bosses thought I would have. I got to a point where the job had become routine. There was no no challenge to it. And so um, I I just, there there was, I lost interest. There was nothing motivating me to um, go out and, and do something new and different and make a difference. I mean, and I, and I think for me that that sense of making a difference is, is, is a really critical component. And, and that's, I think where my, um, as I have told people, I have the best job in the world as a university faculty member, uh, because I can research things that interest and excite me. And I get to spend, every day with uh, some young people who are amazing and um, they are energized and, and so excited and they, they, they do more in a year than I think what I did in my college experience in terms of giving back, being part of charitable organizations, giving back to the community, uh, helping their, their members, student members within our community. And it's just a, such an invigorating experience that um, it, it really is exciting to be part of. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Our parting comment, I, I guess I'll say our last question here. What advice might you have for any credit unions listening that that really want to start the start this work, start their application of data analytics, and and start standing out as a leader in the responsible use and protection of their members' data. What advice for, do you have for them to to get started? Yeah, I, I would say what we've learned from agile design and thinking is. Uh, and I not I don't this is going to sound facetious as I say it, but just do it. Just get started. Don't try to build the biggest, most complete sort of mouse trap in terms of data and tools so that you are starting with the most critical, most value added, probably most complex project. Go after something small. And and go with your take your existing employees and and find someone who's who has that little data geekiness in them who who's who's a really good spreadsheet user who is willing to learn about some tools that are accessible. So whether it's a vis, a visual tool, whether it is Tableau or Power BI or something that. Um, there's a lot of training and tutorials out there. And for somebody who's kind of comfortable picking up technology, he or she can do that and have them start 
exploring the data. And, and what we have found is that just applying visual tools as a, whether you're in marketing, whether you're in finance, whatever the disciplinary area is, if you can just sort of learn a little bit about that tool and apply it to data that you use all the time, it's been shocking what these individuals see in those visualizations of, of their data that they never detected when they were, you know, making their day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month decisions. And and so I think there's some really small step ways that credit unions can get some wins without spending a lot of money um, to begin to build some momentum and interest in then getting to a little bit more uh, robust set of individuals who are excited about and interested in moving forward and are well positioned to identify what some of those business process issues are, that if we look to find analytics models, we are likely to find and create that value for the organization. All right, Sherry, that that covers pretty much everything I had for you today. Paul, did you have any final comments or questions for Sherry? I, we may have to um, record another podcast, Sherry, because Holly and I are both avid runners. Um, <laughs> of things. So that, that might be another topic for another time, but uh, we'll talk. Sounds perfect. Well, thank you so much, Sherry, for all of this. This is We're off to a great start, and I know there is just going to be more and more and more of this. So this is just the beginning. But thank you so much for kicking us off like this. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. All right, that's it for the fill-in, folks. Thank you for listening. And of course, a huge thank you to Dr. Sherry Spire-Pero and Paul Dion for taking the time to talk with us today. If you feel inspired to move your organization forward on your data analytics journey, you'll want to follow along with Sherry's work by visiting filene.org data. There, you can see all research published to date within this focus area. Also, be sure to check out our webinar with Sherry this past fall. You'll find a recording of that on our blog page at filene.org blog. And if you're listening to this in January, you'll have an amazing opportunity to hear from Sherry live at our first ever data analytics research event. Register over at filene.org slash analytics ecosystem. We will have some of the session recordings available after the event, but not all. So if this content is top priority for you, be sure to join us live if possible. Okay, if you like this episode, please do rate us on Apple Podcasts so more people can find us. And make sure you're subscribed to the Filene Fill-In Podcast so you can keep up with what's going on at Filene. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. To get in touch about today's show, email me at hollyf at filene.org or find us on Twitter at Filene Research. Until next time, thanks everyone. <laughs>